Welcome to Real Estate Radio, hosted by the real estate therapist, Larry Shackman, a top-producing real estate broker, author, CEO, and founder of TrustedAgentUSA.com, the ultimate real estate matchmaker, connecting you with top-performing agents for 2% commission. Each week, we bring you exclusive interviews with industry experts, covering everything from staging to negotiation strategies to home inspection issues and everything in between. Whether you're selling your home, a first-time home buyer, or a seasoned investor, we've got you covered. Let's make your real estate dreams a reality in this fast-moving and ever-changing real estate market. This program is funded in whole or in part by Trusted Agent USA, Illinois license number 475-145-795. Now, now, here's Larry. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Radio Show podcast. You are listening to uh, our regular Saturday morning broadcast from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. We're also on and live and stream live on Wednesdays as well, but uh, we're always happy to be here at WCPT 820 AM. Dylan, we're Facts Matter. Facts always matter when we're talking about real estate. Larry, how are you doing today? Doing awesome. And uh, again, my name's Larry Shackman. I am a broker for 23 years. I'm also a title agent, and I'm your local real estate therapist. That's awesome. I'm always glad to spend an hour on the couch with you, Larry. It's becoming a regular thing. Can you not say that? <laughs> I, you know what? Me and Dylan never spend an hour on the couch anywhere, but it's, but a, here. it's a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So um, we have a really special guest today, Cliff Capson from Cliff Capson Consulting. Uh, Cliff is one of the premier authorities on uh, exterior cladding, and he'll Correct me if I'm if I'm messing that term up. But what we mean by that are things like EIFS, which is typically referred to as drive it, as well as stucco, brick, composite siding. Uh, Cliff is literally one of the uh, preeminent authorities on this in the whole country. He's been doing this for going on probably thirty years. Um, and uh, before we bring Cliff on, I just want to do a little bit of house cleaning. So remember, you guys, this is a full contact sport. So be sure to give us a call at 773-763-9278. You can also text us at that same number. We're streaming live on Facebook at the Real Estate Radio Show Podcast Group. And we're also on WCPT 820 on Facebook as well as follow us on Amazon and wherever else you listen to all your podcasts. So with having said all of that and done all of that house cleaning, let's bring Cliff on. Cliff, hey. how you doing, bud? Good. How are you? I, we are doing awesome. Awesome. Glad to have you on, Cliff. Yeah. With your, your, intro, your intro to your radio show, you sound like a superhero. I sound what? I'm honored. Like yeah. a superhero. Yeah. Oh, Larry is definitely Larry a Shatman. real estate. He's definitely hey, a real estate superhero. I, I, well. Just I, ask his clients. I let everybody else shine. I am literally just the facilitator just ask here. Just Larry, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, first of all, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Awesome. How about yourself? I'm, we're, we're doing Good. great. It's great to be here. I Thanks know you've been in, uh, you've been in Florida for a while. And you got back what? Uh, the weather down there was not great, but better than Chicago. Oh, really? Ways, but, uh, Rainy or what? Yeah, just it was yeah, cloudy, overcast, mostly sixties. It was it was you know, I think we had we were there for five weeks. We had two days in the eighties. Oh, which nice! Is really unusual. Nice, yeah, yeah. yeah you don't so, go to Florida well, to be in the sixties, right? No, <laughs> that's uh, for sure. So but I do gonna, remember the sixties. What's that? You remember? Oh, yeah. Well, I do you remember know, the sixties. A real quick little tidbit about Cliff. So Cliff is a Cliff's a rock star. I'll just I'll go out there and I'll say it. <laughs> what's the name of your band okay. right now? I've uh, it used to be uh, Lakeside Lakeside Revival. Lakeside Revival, and they're an awesome band. They play all, all over Florida, all over. Do you guys play in Chicago still? 
I actually, we play in Chicago. The old band plays in Florida. The old band was unfinished business. Okay. But Cliff literally. So this one, it's not revival. I local, should have actually, Chicago. I should have, I should have had a picture of you from the seventies and eighties. <laughs> Because no, you shouldn't. No, no, no. Those were awesome <laughs> pictures. And you're an amazing singer. You guys do great work. And I love all your videos. So Thanks. I just wanted to Appreciate let every, everybody know about that. Yeah. Um, so let's get into exactly what you do and uh, exactly what you do and um yeah, Cliff, tell us a little bit about the problem that your company solves and how you help people. Um, you know, we're always yeah. on, on the podcast every week. We're here to talk about how do we help people. And so I want to learn a little bit about that contextually for you. Yes. Yeah, so there's um, most of our inspections are for um, corporate relocation companies and uh, single family residents. We also do commercial inspections. And basically, it runs the gamut from uh, just a visual inspection to identify what materials are on the building. Mm -hmm. Because like for corporate relocation, when they're relocating um, an employee, they want to have the uh, background information on the home so they can make an offer to buy a home from the the homeowner before they get transferred to their new job. So we do a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really, a lot of it has to do with peace of mind. Whether it's for a relocation company or a homeowner or a building owner, um, there are problematic issues with exterior claddings. And if, uh, in most cases, if they're not installed properly, whether it's stone or stucco <clears throat> or drive it, um, if it's not interfaced with the other components on the building properly, water can get in. And in some cases, if it's not built properly, gets trapped and it can't out. So what we do is we do a visual inspection, uh, and I'll use drive it as an example because that's the, the thing a lot of people are concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, drive it is technically exterior insulation and finish systems. So when, when people refer to drive it to EEFS, that's what it is. It's an acronym, E-I-F-S. So when we're inspecting an EEFS home, we do a visual inspection first. Then we have a surface scanner that we can scan the wall with. We actually put it on the wall and calibrate it so it measures moisture up to six inches behind the cladding. And we move that meter across the wall, and if it indicates that there may be moisture, then we probe that area. The probe holes are very small. They're about one inch apart. They're uh, about three-sixteenths of an inch in diameter. And the probes in the wall take a moisture reading to determine the level of moisture behind the wall in the substrate. Mm-hmm. And then we record that reading, seal the holes up. So that's the process. But if we find moisture behind the wall, we also try and detect if there's damage. And if there is, then we make a recommendation as to how to fix it. Gotcha. So we don't just find the problems and then give, you know, the homeowner a, a report and say, okay, no problem. Um, Going back to what Dylan said before, we, we like to solve problems. That's what we're uh, in business for is to help people uh, resolve issues, whether it's for their own home or one that they might be buying. But you're not a contractor. You're an inspector. No. We only do inspections, and it's important to delineate the, uh, that, that uh, there's a line there. So you a lot of times we'll get calls from people, and they'll say, uh, you know, I – I do inspections with my contractor since he built the home and he comes out every year and he checks everything and tells me it's okay. And and home's years old. And I'm like, well, (laughs) that's kind of like the fox watching the hen house. Yeah. You know, know, I I think for, for clarity, um, for everybody listening, Cliff, the thing I liked uh, about what you're saying is, and you tell me if this is accurate, you're not Mm -hmm. using your inspection business to generate leads for your repair business. Exactly. You don't want somebody coming out and saying, I think that's really important for people to understand. Oh, by the way, I can fix it too. Yeah. I think that's really important for people to understand is as a business, the, the, the diagnosing of the problem and the solution providing for that same problem. um, It's probably better for you if they're separate. Yeah. And it's not only easy for people to understand. (laughs) 
Right. Well, and we do, we do, yeah, you and I have had years with that, but we do provide a list of contractors, you know, on our website, cliffcapsonconsulting.com. Uh, if you go there and click on resources, and then there's a drop down for uh, contractors, and we and we do inspections all across the United States. So we have uh, inspectors in all 50 states and parts of Canada where we do inspections because we do, like I said before, a lot of corporate relocate. Mm-hmm. So the list of contractors there, we have no connection to them other than the fact that we know they they do repairs, mm-hmm. and we know from work that we've seen that they do good work. But we don't get any compensation. There's no connection between us and them. Right. We just provide the names and the contact as a courtesy to our clients. I I have a question. So on the which is good yeah. because we're on the radio, and if I don't have any questions, we're in trouble, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, then we're just yeah, here. we're just sitting here talking about uh, 70s and 80s music. Um, so. Yeah. The house that you recently did an inspection for us on, and we're not going to name the address or anything like that, but the house yeah. that you did that inspection on is about a, I think it's about a, it was about somewhere around a 4,000 square foot house. It was all drive it, so it was all EIFS. There were some uh, obvious deficiencies in that without you even coming out there that I could visually see. You know, with the crack, yep. crack siding, and so so forth. On a house like that, you say you 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 know first you check with a moisture reading, and then if you get any sense of that, you'll probe it, and it's almost like a little pin prick, right? That you'll probe around yeah. the house. Okay, so on a <laughs> house like that, how? How many, how long does it take and how many of those like little probing pinpricks do you have to do or do you just do it well, while you're picking up moisture? It depends. Now, you know, we don't just probe for the sake of probing. We probe with a purpose, I always say. So the water can get in through the surface of the system. It gets in at transition points. It's windows, doors, uh, balcony, deck, flashing, uh, roof wall intersections. So those are the areas we focus on. We'll first calibrate the meter on the wall with the, the surface scanner that I met before. Mm-hmm. And again, we're talking just about eaves because we can't use that for stone veneer and stucco. It's specifically a tool for mm-hmm. EIFS. So we calibrate that. And as we move across, you know, around the building, we're looking at those areas that are susceptible to moisture under windows and doors and things like that that I mentioned. And if the scanner indicates moisture, then we probe those areas. And if I probe and I get a high reading, I also try and determine if there's damage. If I get damage, I'm going to move to another spot. The scanner also helps us map the moisture so we know how wide the damage is, how deep it goes, mm-hmm. and all of that. So it's a process, you know, and we don't want to make a pin cushion out of the building and we fill all the holes with an approved sealant. But on the other hand, you want to be as thorough as possible and cover all your bases. So that's that's basically yeah. what we. How long did that did that inspection take? I'm curious. A typical inspection for a house like that would be about two three hours. Wow! And I always tell people like the longer the inspection takes, the more problems. It means we're finding more problems. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, move a wall and scan and scan and scan, and if we're not getting anything. We're going to probe just to make sure the scanner's working properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times, scanner's pretty accurate if you know how to use it. And you can go around the house and, you know, not every home has a multitude of issues. Mm-hmm. I mentioned cracking before. A lot of times we'll get calls from people and they'll say, oh, I got a, you know, a bird hole or a crack and I'm concerned. And I have to kind of talk them down off the ledge because cracking is more of an aesthetic issue. It almost never has anything to do with moisture. Oh, really? So okay. the two are sometimes equated with each other, but they're not related. Okay. More moisture gets in at windows than through cracks. Cracks are never really big enough. And how do you repair behind cracks that, on, on, uh, on drive it? Well, with cracks, it, it's a little tricky. It depends where the is located, how visible it is, because you can do a patch. And it's going to look like a patch. It's no different than if you're painting in your house. You're not just going to, you have a scratch on the wall. You're not just going to paint that one section. You have to go from corner to corner. Mm-hmm. You got to paint the entire wall. 
Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing when repairing stucco, uh, depending again on the size of the crack, uh, you may have to refinish an entire panel, uh, and that's where it gets more costly for that type of repair. Yeah. But again, cracks are more of an aesthetic issue. If somebody's living in their home and they're not trying to sell, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll go out and we'll do an inspection and I'll tell them, yeah, you've got this cracking. It's very minor. Um, when the time comes to sell your home, you're probably going to want to fix it before you sell it, but it's not, you're not in danger of taking any moisture in. Don't worry about it for mm-hmm. now. You know, mm-hmm. so there are certain things you can, you can leave alone. Um, and that's an, another important distinction I want to make is a lot of times people will say it's a difference if you're doing inspection for a seller versus a buyer. And there really is no difference. The results are the same because the technique that we use is the same. But where there is a difference is there are subtle nuances in the way we, uh, in the way we communicate the, the issues to the, to the person we're doing the inspection for. Mm-hmm. So just using the cracking example, I could say to a buyer, to a, a homeowner, inspect your home and we found an area where there's some elevated moisture, but we see that the caulk is failing. Mm-hmm. And if you just fix it, you know, redo the caulk in that area, it'll stop the water from getting in, and those readings will drop over time. Mm-hmm. But you can't say to a buyer, yeah, we found high moisture, but don't worry about it. If they caulk it, the readings will come down. Oh, yeah. Because they'll freak out, Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you have to, there's the subtle nuances to, you know, handling those situations. Yeah. Um, and that I always sense. say that's part of the, yeah, that's part of the reason why, Doing inspections for single-family homes is a lot different than doing commercial inspections. There's a lot of hand-holding and dealing with the homeowners. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. For most of them, it's the biggest investment of their life. Well, same on so, our part. Yeah. You know, There's a lot of hand-holding yeah. through the whole process, regardless of where you are in that process. You, know, you probably don't remember this, but you might. <laughs> Um, okay. So I started my career at Caldwell Banker about 300 years ago. I've jokingly I've been doing this for 23 years, but I started this uh-huh. at Caldwell Banker on 75th Street. Do you remember coming yeah. in there? Yep, you I do. Ca- you came I do in remember. there sure. 23 years ago, and this was yeah. my first year in real estate. And you came in and gave us all a bird's eye view of. Drive it, stucco, the differences, and some other things, too. And I'm leading up to a question in that, uh, so we know that drive it and the system behind it has changed and morphed over the years, right? Correct. What's the difference of a drive it system now as opposed to one back when you did that presentation 23 years ago. So just a, a brief history. So uh, I had actually bought the technology from a German company in 1969, and then they brought it over here to the United States. And when they brought it here in 1969, it was mostly on commercial properties, and they were installing the system over wood framing or steel framing in some cases, um, but not the way it was done in Europe. And the problem eventually came, uh, was, was discovered in the 90s because other companies drive it had an exclusive for 10 years. Then other companies in 79 <clears throat> still was another company that started manufacturing the product. But they were all building with this product that came over from Europe that was, in, in effect, a barrier system. And it was designed to keep water out. And in Europe, it was applied over masonry. So even if water got in, there weren't water-sensitive materials behind the wall that could deteriorate the structure. Mm-hmm. But they brought it over here, and in the U.S., we build with wood. And so when water gets in, if it has no way to get out, you're in trouble. So that was the original system. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the 90s, discovered a lot of problems with the product, most of it was due to installation, but a big part of it was because it was a, a barrier system mm-hmm. that trapped the moisture. Mm-hmm. So there were no provisions for, uh, for drainage. So the manufacturers started developing drainable systems. They got caught up in all the class action lawsuits, people coming after them, and they held the line for a long time. They kept defending the barrier system. 
they kept saying there's nothing wrong with the product it's installation mm-hmm. and funny enough as soon as they settled the class action in 2000 they came out with a bulletin that said we're no longer recommending the use of the barrier system in wood frame construction so not a coincidence right so newer systems allow for drainage there's different ways of doing it but you know and again it's only for incidental moisture so you don't want large amounts of water dumping behind the wall mm-hmm. but if if a window leaks or if a cock if the cock fails before you catch it a little water gets in has a way to get out yeah so that's really the key Okay, so yeah, just better drainage, and uh, as a result of the, if you will, the substrate behind the substrate is wood, so you have to have better drainage, because if you do get moisture back there, you could get mold, you could get all kinds of things going on. So the the newer design uh, drainable systems have drainable components behind the wall and a weak component at the base of the wall mm-hmm. so incidental moisture that gets in goes down that drainage plane it never really comes in contact in theory with the wood substrate because there's building paper in in the case of stucco or uh, adhered stone there's two layers of building paper so you have a drainage plane there mm-hmm. you have a screed at the base of the wall uh and then flashing uh in in various locations to divert the water away from the wall so they've they've made a lot of uh they've compensated a lot for uh the problems and yeah and they and for the most part they've resolved those issues have they resolved them again that was my next question they have but again you know and and going back to the barrier system i just want to say about that we still inspect homes that are 25 30 years old that have the barrier system on them that don't have any issues because okay. the homeowners are doing the proper maintenance. Mm-hmm. And part of that is having periodic inspections and checking the sealants and making sure the caulking and everything is in sound condition to keep the water out. Mm-hmm. And as long as you maintain it properly, you should never have a problem. Mm-hmm. Where people are in trouble is I do an inspection for a buyer. They get in the home. Everything is good. They, they fix whatever issues we discovered. And they call me in five years and they say, I think it's time for my annual inspection. I'm like, yeah. well, it's been five years. It's yeah. not a year. So, you, you know, missed your four annual inspections. <laughs> you know, that right. happened to me with my uh, air conditioner a couple of years ago. And uh, again, just yeah. making sure that it's really important to people if you're going to own homes, right, that you have an ongoing checklist of stuff that needs an annual checkup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bought my house, my current house in 2018, and we never had a seasonal uh air conditioning inspection and then the air conditioner went out when it was really hot so mm-hmm. my hvac guy came out and uh he's like we've never serviced this machine how long have you lived here i'm like uh five years yeah it's like yeah that'll do it so you're getting a new machine so the point about this i think cliff is your annual inspections are designed to be annual for your own protection yeah, exactly. And for your bottom exactly. line, frankly. And Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing I want to touch on briefly, and I don't know if you were going to get to this, Larry, is over the years our, our services have um, evolved, mm-hmm. and we started doing inspections of other claddings. And we found very similar problems, especially uh, more recently with adhered stone veneer. Okay. So um, back in the 90s, when I was doing inspection in Naperville in the late 90s, and we found a lot of problems in some of the high up, upper scale subdivisions out there with drive it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were removing that system from their home and going back with another type of cladding. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, unfortunately, went back with adhered stone. <laughs> And back then, adhered stone was just evolving and becoming popular, and the installers were not installing it properly. Mm-hmm. So adhered stone is just like stucco. You, all your layers of, of stucco, you have your metal lath, you have Portland cement. So that we're talking hard coat stucco, mm-hmm. not traditional stucco. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have your metal lath that gets attached to the framing and the and or the sheathing. Then you have uh, your your base coat, which is a plaster material or some base coat, and that gets keyed into the metal lath. Mm-hmm. And then you have a scratch coat, 
and then they put a finish coat over that to, to make a stuck foam. So there's no foam like with, with the IFS. <clears throat> the difference is that with uh, adhered stone, instead of the stucco, they attach the stone to it. So it's essentially all the components behind the wall are just like stucco. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference is the outside. It looks like stone. Interesting. It's, okay. It's thin, it's thin cut and it's adhered to the wall. It's not like full dimension stone, which is like brick that sits on the foundation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of your more upscale homes have dimension stone. And then, and then people who previously may have had <clears throat> problems with drive it, they don't have a foundation lead support brick or stone. So they have to go with a product that hangs on the wall. Mm-hmm. So they either go with stucco or a drainable leaf system or stone. So, so we have ways of inspecting stone and checking for moisture and all of that, too. I'm going to guess that you run into a lot of houses <clears throat> with multiple different types of exterior substrate so you're because a lot of houses are built part of it drive it part of it stone part of it brick part of it siding maybe and tell us a little bit about that process when you run into a house like that so we um i mentioned that we do a lot of relocation inspections Mm -hmm. and over the years they've kind of evolved and we do a lot of what they call ids now where they just want us to go to the property and identify all the different classes that are on the property. Mm-hmm. And then they have a list for their, in, you know, internal, um, internal process where some of their reload clients require uh, a further inspection. If it's stucco, if it turns out that it's EIFS, a lot of them still don't even allow that in the relocation program. They'll kick them out of the program. Mm. So, Interesting. They want to identify that they're cladding. And sometimes we'll go to a house and like you said, there's, you know, there's eaps on three sides and then on the front, they've got, uh, you know, stone veneer. Yeah. So we tell them there's eaps and stone and they tell us, okay, well, on this one, we want you to inspect the stone, but we're not, we're excluding eaps or we want you to inspect the eaps and the stone. So, we, you know, and, and we can do both. Uh, and there's different pricing schedules for, for doing both and or one or the other. Yeah. But it's, it's probably good advice, at least for, uh, for your purposes as realtors, uh, to inform your clients as buyers that there are issues with these other materials and that they at least need to be educated about the potential mm-hmm. problems. Doesn't mean there's going to be problems, even with EAPS. There's plenty of EAPS homes we inspect and we don't find any issues mm-hmm. other than maintenance issues mm-hmm. uh just because it's got it on there doesn't mean it's a it's, it's doomsday. a problem yeah so yeah yeah but they have to inspect it because you don't know unless you inspect it. now That's you mentioned brick what are, yeah. what are problems that you can get well before i get into that someone yeah. was telling me that they had to drive it home that they were selling and mm-hmm. they had a problem with uh uh woodpeckers on the drive it and i've never heard that before i've heard woodpeckers on you know uh what's it called dylan the cedar cedar on cedar but um Mm -hmm. i've never heard of woodpeckers being attracted to drive it yeah they're not really attracted to it but but they get on the side of the house and they start pecking at it and because the exterior lamina which is the the base coat finish and mesh that's on the outside of the foam is very thin. It's only like an eighth of an inch at the, at the most. Mm-hmm. And they start pecking at it. And by the time they get through that exterior and then they get into the foam and they realize, oh, this isn't a tree and they fly away. Mm-hmm. So then and, and at that point, the hole's there and then other birds come and start nesting in there. So it becomes a, you know, a problem. But yeah. the other interesting thing is in Naperville, for instance, and in Aurora, like in Stonebridge, there's a lot of homes that are on golf courses. Yes. So we see golf balls hitting the side oh, of the house. Oh, yeah. And causing the same kind of damage that, that the birds cause. Yeah. What's interesting about that is there is a way. I'm working on a project. Actually, it's coming up in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry to say I have to go there, uh, um, possibly yeah. even for a month. If you need help, call but, me. Uh, they're gonna, I know Jill won't okay. mind staying home. So, I'll, I'll call him. Right. <laughs> so they um, 
So what they're doing is they're using a hurricane impact system. So, and they're calling it missile resistant. So literally you could take a hammer to the side of, and it, and it's a, and it's an EIFS product. Really? And you could take a hammer to it and you, and you won't be able to get it through there. Interesting. It's hurricane resistant. So the builders who build homes on golf course could use high impact mesh. And the and the golf balls would bounce off the the house, but they don't want to spend the extra. I was going to you know, say you're talking about a lot more money. It's not a lot more money. Oh, it's, it's not really. Okay. It's maybe no. It's maybe a dollar a square foot extra. Okay. Um, All right. So in, not in not the big picture. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you know there are ways to prevent it, but once the hole is there, it's there and it needs to be fixed. And we go back to what we talked about with cracking before. It's the same issue. If you patch a hole, you're going to have a patch. If you patch, you know, if you get five holes in the side of the house, you probably want to patch the holes and refinish the whole wall uh, rather than having a patch in the middle of the wall. Mm-hmm. So, what are the problems? But again, you the, have those with- kind of holes don't. No, go ahead. They don't cause moisture issues in most cases. Okay. Oh, they and don't. We'll say, well, how? no, how can I have a hole in the side of the house and it's not a moisture issue? Because if you think about it, even a driving rain, you would actually have to take a, you, you'd have to take a hose and shove it in that hole and, to get any significant water in mm-hmm. there. If it's just raining, water's not going to go into that hole. Okay. It's going to run down on the sides. It's going to go, you know. So the bigger issue is it's it's aesthetic and also like I mentioned before, other birds will come along and start nesting in there, and then they hollow out the the foam. Mm-hmm. And they start using it for nesting materials, and it just becomes a mess. Yeah. So you want to seal those up as soon as you can just to limit your exposure. Gotcha. What, um, yeah. Dylan, you got anything? You got any questions you want? I got nothing. Okay, so here, I got one more okay. question because yeah. um, I'm curious about this. So houses that are all brick, what kind of mm-hmm. issues, uh, other than, you know, you have to uh, – What's it called when you're repairing brick? You know this tuck pointing, tuck pointing. Other than that, um, what are some problems really are, you could have with brick? Yeah, there really are very minimal issues with brick, and in fact, we don't really inspect a lot of brick. Mm-hmm. We have a project that we're doing in Baltimore that's coming up. That's a combination of brick and and EIFS, but the eaves in the areas where the brick is. The eaves was actually, it's an older structure, so the eaves was installed over the brick. Mm-hmm. So it's actually more like the European way of using eaves. Gotcha. So we anticipate a lot of moisture issues, but we are going to call out, you know, tuck pointing and caulking and things like that. Because just like with any cladding, you want to keep the water out. Also with brick, you have to have a foundation. It's on the foundation ledge. You have to have flashing and weep holes and all of that and make sure that their weep holes are cleared out mm-hmm. so water can escape and and all of that, but it being a cavity wall system, there's actually a backup system with brick and it's properly installed and flashed at the base of the wall. You really have very not going to have issues. a lot of issues. Yeah. So, no. uh, this has been really interesting because, you know, like with anything and like what Dylan mentioned, guys, if you own a house, you have to do these, uh, these checkups, these yearly checkups, just like you should with your own body when you go to the doctor, which, of course, I don't do. But if you own a house and you want to save money on, you know, lots of potentially expensive repairs, you stay on top of it by using uh, a guy like Cliff and Cliff Caps and Consulting in order to get ahead of these things. So before I let you go, I want to just... Uh, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? And I know you do business locally, but you do business nationally too. So, yeah. uh, and, how do, and in the Bahamas, and yeah, yeah sorry for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what? How do people get in touch with you? Is it best just to go to your website? Do they call you? What's yeah. The the, the, so if they go to the website and they click on, there's a but, button on the front page of the website that's uh, started if they want to just poke around on the website there's a lot of information there there's photos there's documents they can download a copy of a sample report that kind of stuff awesome uh, other resources on there 
So there's a lot of information there. But uh, if they want to reach us, the best way is to click on Get Started, fill out the form with all their information, and we'll be in touch with them. Um, our, our phone number locally is uh, 60-922. Uh, oh, God, I can't remember the rest of it. That's okay. That would, it's on the website, we right? <laughs> it's on the website. It's on the website, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's all right. I, I, I forget the we- I forget the phone number to the radio station, and it's literally sitting so, right in front of me. So at least one you- one more thing I just want to stress yeah. to you before yeah. we go. Yeah, is that from your perspective as realtors, I think it's important to inform your clients, whether it's a buyer or a seller. Obviously, inform the buyer of potential problems, but sellers need to be proactive because. I can't tell you how many times I've come across a situation where the seller decides to put their house on the market and they they think somehow they're going to skate around the issue. But as soon as people start Googling, you know, uh, drive it or whatever, they see information and misinformation about the problems mm-hmm. and they start freaking out. Yes. So the best recommendation for sellers is have an inspection. If there are major issues, obviously, you have to take care of those. If there's just minor issues, you may just want to just say, okay, we had an inspection. These are maintenance issues that a new homeowner is going to have to deal with. But really, they need to be proactive because otherwise uh, a buyer comes along, they want to hire their own inspector, and then they're at the mercy of that inspector. Do a pre-sale home inspection on your drive Yep. I mean, that bottom yeah, line absolutely. is I suggest that to a lot of sellers, just typical mm-hmm. inspection. Do a pre-sale home inspection, and uh, it, it's going to save you a lot of grief when it comes to negotiating those home inspection issues. So uh, yes. with that, I want to thank you for joining us. I'm sorry Thanks you're going to be in the, in the Bahamas shortly. I, yeah, I hear, well, somebody's got to do it. You, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> nice. All Thanks for best, sharing, Cliff. Yeah, all the best to you and your yep. wife, Jill. And uh, be safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Larry. Thank okay. you, Dylan. Nice yep. to meet you. Bet. Okay, Likewise. talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. That was Dylan. Uh, excuse me. This is Dylan. Yeah, no, that, that, was, that was Capson of Clip. Cliff Capson Consulting, and I think he gave some good advice about getting pre-inspection, pre-sale inspections. If you have a drive-at-home or other type of cladding, exterior cladding, that might need that. With all that said, we're going to take a quick break right now. We're going to come back and talk about some of the market dynamics going on out there in the real estate market. Tune in to Real Estate Radio, Saturdays at 9 a.m., hosted by the real estate therapist Larry Shackman, a top-producing real estate broker, author, CEO, and founder of TrustedAgentUSA.com. Top-performing agents for 2% commission, saving you thousands when you sell, buy, or invest. Real Estate Radio, the ultimate real estate radio experience. Get insider tips from experts throughout the real estate industry. Streaming live on Facebook at WCPT 820. Trusted Agent USA, Illinois, license number 475-145-795. Welcome back to Real Estate Radio, sponsored in part by TrustedAgentUSA.com, the ultimate real estate matchmaker, saving you thousands. Now, now back to Larry, the real estate therapist. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And we are going to jump in real quickly to some of the market stats and some of the dynamics of what's going on in the market right now. Dylan, bring us up to date on some of the things you want to talk about. So, Larry, the biggest thing I want to talk about is I think it's fascinating. Yesterday, we had kind of a lousy day in mortgage rates, um, and that was caused by the unemployment um, figures being released for the month of January. And in a surprise to basically everybody, the Bureau of Labor Statistics... Um, which some people are contending is the government ministry of disinformation, uh, tells us that we had 353,000 jobs created last month. Largely, that's due to some adjustments in the birth death pool and some other statistical maneuverings that they use to calculate the numbers because it's basically a data extrapolation. However, there's a second survey that's released at the same time And that is the household survey where they actually call people up and ask them who's working, how much are they working, how many hours are they working, what are they making per hour. And that is an amazing difference. And here's what I mean. 
We talked last month that there were 200,000 jobs. There are 353 this month. Over the course of the last year, the government has announced that there's been, in essence, 900,000 jobs, 870,000 jobs created in the economy. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the non the the household survey, not the government statistical survey, we had 133 million people working this month. A year ago, we had 133 million people working. And actually, in the rounding, there's about 100,000 less. Mm-hmm. But they've increased... The, the the amount of jobs created in the economy has increased over 2 million. It's a BS number. Additionally, if you look at the household survey, 870,000 part-time jobs have been added to the mix, right, in addition to the full-time jobs at 133 million. It's gone from 27.0 to 27.9. That's people side hustling Uber. That's people picking up hours because they can't get a full-time job, all sorts of other things. So... Uh, the, the the markets in a normal situation would have been absolutely devastated by the job number, meaning rates would have went from 6.6 to 7 and a quarter, like that, mm-hmm. today. The fact of the matter is there's still some trading belief in the number. We're solidly at 6 and 3 quarters for most borrowers. Again, not a quote. All the disclosures. Got to get a detailed information in order to get an actual quote for you. Roughly. And so... The thing is that the market is waking up to the idea that the unemployment number is not reliable. And the question is, how is that going to shake out as it affects rates over time? Because if that unemployment number continues to not be a reliable statistic, then the question for the traders is, how do you trade? Because you trade on information. Rates go up or down based on real-world inflation expectations, mm-hmm. largely caused by the, the the PPI, the CPI, and this monthly employment report. Mm-hmm. Well, if we don't trust one set of numbers, what are we going to have? Okay, and I, I get all that. So how do we get numbers that we trust? Uh, I think there's one place that I think, uh, and I was reading some buzz yesterday that there's a lot of looking at the ADP payroll numbers. ADP, for most folks who know, is a payroll management company, right? Mm -hmm. And so they also release a report every month, and it's been wildly different every month than the monthly government numbers. But they they release the numbers based on the companies that they serve in the real world, right? So if if ADP has 60% of the payroll in the marketplace, right? And everybody else, paychecks and all the other smaller competitors have the other 40%. Well, mm-hmm. you can turn around and extrapolate most months that if you look at the ADP number and it says 100,000 jobs and the government says 350,000 jobs, well, the, the number's probably the 100,000 plus another 40 or 50 for all the other companies and not the 350 total, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But in the meantime, it adds confusion to the mortgage rate market, which I'm worried about. Okay, so it adds confusion to the mortgage rate market. And, uh, you know, the thing that is interesting to me is that the stock market is going absolutely nuts. They're over 38000 It's crazy. And tell me what's driving that. Larry, if I knew what was driving that, I would be a trader and not a mortgage lender for a living. So and I, I can't under, really tell you that. I understand that. But, you know, again, when we take all of this into the big picture, right. pricing in the grocery stores, you know, some other uh, uh, pro- uh, products have gone down, staple products have gone sure, down sure. in price recently. In addition to that, gas prices, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, gas prices are remaining at $3 or under in most parts of the country. Uh, not all, but in many parts of the country. Sure, sure. And uh, we get these job things that may or may not be accurate. And I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think where you're going, Larry, is interesting because here's the thing I like. And consumer spending is up, and consumer confidence is up. Buyer demand for housing is through the roof. If we had more houses on the market, we'd be going nuts right now. Uh, I, I agree with you there. The thing I think is interesting 
in the stuff you mentioned in terms of gas prices and some of this other stuff. And honestly, with this thing, if we have 900,000 part-time jobs instead of full-time jobs over the course of the last year, although I don't love the statistics, right, and I don't believe them for a minute, the thing is that the $800,000 or the 800,000 part-time jobs are deflationary because if I can turn around and instead of, if, 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 I can, if I end up earning $30,000 grinding out part-time work over the course of a year, instead of having a salary of $60,000, it's deflationary, right? Mm-hmm. And so it stinks to be the person who's got less income. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. However, that lower income means less inflation opportunity in the economy. And so remember that rates generally are built on inflation. And look, this whole thing is like a teeter-totter, right? Which we're still at 3.7%. Right. And so at the end of the day, if inflation goes down, in theory, the rates go down and the opportunity to stimulate the economy goes up. And if rates go up, the opportunity to stimulate the economy evaporates because it's more expensive to do so, especially if you're a big company, you got to borrow money at 7, 8, 10% in order to finance whatever, your new plant, your new printer, your new this, your new that. And, and so there's always this balancing act. And the thing that happened during the pandemic when we had 3% mortgage rates is we had people earning a lot of money and a lot of opportunity to spend it and to finance it at low rates. And the whole thing was a little bit destructive. Mm -hmm. And so we're still shaking that out over time. But I really do like that um, it seems like the seesaw is a little bit back in balance, right? And so that's a healthy thing given this housing demand. Mm -hmm. So I like it. Okay. And do we have a caller? Okay, let's bring our caller on. Our caller is... Our caller's Claire. Hey, Claire, how are you today? Claire from Chicago. Hey, Claire, what's up? Hi. um, I just tuned in a little late, but I was wondering if there are websites for this ADP. For for the ADP number? You were saying the statistics job numbers were different in the ADP. Do they have a website? Yes. So if you you just get... I will... Actually, let me do... I will Google it since I'm sitting here on the computer. It's the Bureau of Labor Statistics website. And their website is bls.gov. I thought you said it was the ADP. ADP figures are publicly available figures as well. So the ADP employment report is available at adpemploymentreport.com. They make a very fancy name for that. ADP employment report? Yes, adpemploymentreport.com. So private, and and for example, ADP says employers added 107,000 jobs in January, but the Bureau of Labor Statistics says they added 353,000. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, as I mentioned, is a statistics calculation based on birth debts, charts, payroll numbers, people added at the end of the year. The ADP number is just how many people got added to payrolls for the companies that we served last month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. So they're different. Yes, they're different, that, numbers, they're, so. di- they're different numbers, and that's the discussion at hand. Who are we going to believe? The, the the private enterprise business that is giving us the information that they're, at, again, a publicly traded company that has disclosure requirements that they have to tell us what the number is accurately, or the government who is just admitting that they have a statistical model rather than an actual data-driven model. Yeah, and those numbers are, I mean, ADP's number is literally less than a third of what the government came out. Exactly. So, again, Claire, Uh, those websites are adpemploymentreport.com and bls.gov. What else can we answer for you? That's all. Great show. Thanks for for the information. Yeah, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back to wrap it up. 
Tune in to Real Estate Radio, Saturdays at 9 a.m., hosted by the real estate therapist Larry Shackman, a top-producing real estate broker, author, CEO, and founder of TrustedAgentUSA.com. Top-performing agents for 2% commission, saving you thousands when you sell, buy, or invest. Real Estate Radio, the ultimate real estate radio experience. Get insider tips from experts throughout the real estate industry. Streaming live on Facebook at WCPT 820. Trusted Agent USA, Illinois, license number 475-145795. Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to Real, Real Estate, estate Radio. Radio, sponsored in part by TrustedAgentUSA.com, the ultimate real estate matchmaker, saving you thousands. Now, now back to Larry, the real estate therapist. All right, everybody, we are back. We want to thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Radio Show podcast. Remember, we stream live every single Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m., and Wednesday, 11 to 12 a.m., on Facebook at uh, the Real Estate Radio Show podcast group, as well as on YouTube and LinkedIn. Uh, Dylan, any final thoughts? You know, Larry, I learned more about Drive It and house cladding today than I'm ever going to learn on any other day in my lifetime, and I appreciate our hour on the couch. So yeah. uh, next week, back to more real estate. Well, not that that isn't real estate specific, but I think we're going to spend a lot more time on uh, the spring market come next week because uh, once we get after next weekend, we have the unofficial opening of the spring market in the Chicago real estate market, right? Yeah, and uh, like we, we've we been talking about in the past, you know, it's not as predictable what <laughs> the spring market, is the spring market actually I, the summer market, is the summer market the winter, the fall market, and you I'm know. I'm as curious as you are, buddy. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see what happens there, but everything's pointing in a pretty good direction in that interest rates are Staying, you know, right around six and a half percent. And so having said all that, you guys, thank you for joining us on the Real Estate Radio Show podcast. We're going to see you next Saturday. Uh, Peace, love and be good to yourself. Thanks, Larry. All right. Thanks for joining us on Real Estate Radio with your host, Larry Shagman, the real estate therapist and top producing broker. Now, go to TrustedAgentUSA.com and save thousands when you sell, buy, or invest. Illinois license number 475-145-795. Tune in next week for the ultimate real estate radio experience.